Welcome to TWW, The Weekly Wheel, where each week the Dharma Wheel rolls and delivers you new content available anywhere at any time in your everyday life. We present a mindfulness service, which has three components. First, meditation. And then we meditate with sound through chanting. You can have your mind wander when you sit in silence, but it's very difficult to wander as you chant. You need to focus on the next character, on your breathing, on the next line. And if you pat yourself on the back too much or become too self-aware, you'll miss a line. And then lastly, we have something called active listening, where we lean into and really listen to the Dharma talk given by our senseis. You could think of silent meditation and sound meditation through chanting as preparatory to get our minds focused and open and clear so we can really listen clearly and really take in the Dharma. And in a sense, it perfumes the mind. The mind is slowly changed as it hears new points of view, new perspectives, and new approaches to dealing with life. It's set up much like an in-person service. It's led, moderated by multiple voices. So you get a variety of opinions, a variety of, of perspectives as you go on your journey. So I hope you will join us now for this mindfulness service presented to you by the people at The Weekly Wheel and the Orange County Buddhist Church. Thank you so much. We will begin with sitting meditation. Find yourself a comfortable place to sit, either in a chair or on the floor. On the floor, you may prefer to sit on a cushion with your legs crossed or folded beneath you. On a chair, sit without leaning back with your feet planted evenly and comfortably on the floor. Sit comfortably erect with shoulders back and your spine straight. Rock back and forth and then side to side to find your center. Your head should also be straight with your eyelids lowered but not closed. Focus on a point a few feet in front of you. Your face should be relaxed as you breathe quietly. Hands can be placed in several positions. In the classic mode, rest your left hand in your right hand, with thumbs touching and comfortably laid against your abdomen. Or you can touch thumbs and forefingers together and rest them on your thighs with palms up. Another option may be to fold your hands on top of each other on your lap. The key is to find a position that is comfortable and that can be maintained in stillness during the meditation session. While sitting, try focusing on your breath, counting them to 10. Breathe in, one. Breathe out, two. Breathe in, three, and so forth. You may find distractions such as the sounds around you or your own thoughts. If that happens, observe them, acknowledge them, and then let them go. Begin counting your breaths again from one. We will begin and end each session at the sound of a bell. At the end of this first session, you will be asked to place your hands together in gasho and bow. Gasho means putting your hands together and bowing in an expression of gratitude. You may choose to intone the words Namo Amidabutsu as you gasho. 
we will begin our first seated meditation session at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz. Take a moment to stretch your legs, and we will have standing meditation. The feet should be about shoulder width apart, with the knees bent slightly. Upper body position is the same. Back straight and centered, shoulders relaxed, eyes half open. Standing in this way is a reminder that we can extend this way of being to our life when we're not engaged in meditation per se. We might be having to wait for someone to arrive or wishing some person would help us. They don't seem to be interested in our problem. Instead of becoming upset and agitated, we can have a moment of standing meditation.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 We will begin our second seated meditation. Please be seated. You can resume your former position. Again, back straight, eyes lowered, hands resting comfortably in your lap, legs crossed or sitting in a chair. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts. We will begin uh, sutra chanting. Sutra chanting is actually a portion of a sutra that we will chant. Uh, most sutras are far too long to be able to chant in one sitting. So for us, uh, we're usually chanting a verse out of a longer narrative or prose. And that's why uh, each line consists of perhaps four or five or seven characters. When we chant, we read from left to right, just like in English, and we move down the first column, and then we move to the second column, and so on. Open circles uh, represent bells uh, for the chant leader to ring. So we always begin a sutra chant with two bells. Whenever we change a section, we use one bell to kind of signal that we're changing uh, from one section to another. And then when you end a sutra chant, you always end with three bells. Each syllable here is written in Romanized characters, English characters, and each syllable here represents a kanji, a Chinese character, and it's written phonetically. It's the sound of the character. The vowels have the same pronunciation independent of location or their neighbor. So this is different from English. And the vowel sounds, uh, I've been told, resemble those in Spanish. So we have A, E, I, O, and U. And they're pronounced A, E, E, O, and U. And then uh, you'll see uh, italicized lines. Uh, those are leader lines that I chant alone. And you will also see underlines under some of the characters. And that means that rather than each character getting a single beat, an underlined character will get a beat and a half. And to kind of make up that little extra time, the next character in line will only get a half beat. And what you do is you don't really concern yourself too much about the meaning of what's being chanted. This isn't flashcards. We're not trying to learn something. This is a ritual. And so we chant together as a feeling of oneness. Don't worry too much about how you're doing. Be aware and mindful of each character. Uh, this is a form of meditation uh, rather than silent meditation. We're meditating through sound. So, you know, you see the character, you say it, you forget about it, you move on, and you say the next character. And over time, it becomes effortless, and you'll begin to memorize it uh, without realizing it. All right, we're going to chant uh, Jusege on page 39. Jusege is another poem or verse that can be found in the larger sutra. First, you have the Sambutsuge, then you have the 48 vows by the aspiring student claiming and proclaiming his desire to seek Buddhahood. And then after that, Jusege stands for repeated vows. So three of these 48, he considers to be the essence of his practice, and he repeats these three vows. And again, italicized lines are leader lines, open circles are bells, underlines are a beat and a half, and that means the next kanji character or sound is going to get a, a half beat. And we chant down the first column, reading left to right, and then down the second column, reading left to right. And then as we get about two-thirds of the way down the second column, you'll see that line has all underscores on it. Ko, ku, sho, tenin, to, u, chin, myo, ke. So we're slowing down. I've mentioned before that the first two bells means we're beginning a chant. And then that single bell there means that we're changing section. And it's a little bit like a train. You start out chanting slow, you speed up, 
and then you come into the station and slow down. And then we do Namo Amidabutsu as we do on all of our chanting. And then we end with the Ekoku. Dangon Cho Oh,
please join me in God's show. Namandats, 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 namandats. Namo Amida Butsu, Namo Amida Butsu, Namo Amida Butsu. As my friends and family well know, I am passionate about genealogy and family history. So maybe it's not surprising that I have visited a lot of cemeteries over the years. I make regular trips to the cemetery in Los Angeles where my grandparents and uncles are buried to pay my respects and to clean up the tombstone and tidy the area around the graves. My father was from Hawaii, and when I take a trip there, I usually visit four or more cemeteries and at least one Buddhist temple to pay my respects to family members, including my grandparents and my father. The Japanese term for visiting a grave is Ohaka Mairi. As Jodo Shinshu Buddhists, we perform a variety of spiritual practices, such as Oshoko, the offering of incense, or maintaining an altar, an Obutsudan, in our homes. I think Ohaka Mairi is also a Buddhist practice and a very important and meaningful one. A grave is a final resting place for someone who has died. Death is the end of our physical existence, the ultimate proof that our human lives are inherently impermanent. It might seem like a paradox, but seeing the reality of death, of impermanence, can help us to appreciate life more. This was something that Christians in medieval times understood. They had a concept called memento mori. In Latin, that means remember death. In other words, remember that you will die. In doing so, you reflect on your mortality, on the impermanence of worldly things, and on the afterlife. Christian art and architecture included memento mori, such as images of skulls or skeletons, and sometimes even actual human remains, as a reminder of the inevitability of death. For us, visiting graves, ohakamaiti, can serve as a memento mori, a reminder of the impermanence of life. As Buddhists, we understand that one of the Four Noble Truths is that everything is impermanent. In a graveyard, we come face to face with that truth. When walking through a cemetery, you can see the graves of infants and children, of people who died in the prime of life, and of those who live to a ripe old age. Their grave markers are evidence that we are all mortal, and that our lifespans are often unpredictable. Renyo Shonin's Letter on White Ashes, which is traditionally read at Jodo Shinshu funerals, states this powerfully. Though in the morning we may be radiant with health, in the evening we may be white ashes. That applies not just to ourselves, but to those we love. Impermanence means that all of us will inevitably face aging, sickness, and death. But understanding the reality of impermanence can open the door to living in a more mindful and grateful way. If you realize that something is impermanent, you can appreciate it in a deeper, more authentic sense. If you know that you have a terminal illness and that any sunset might be the last one you will ever see, wouldn't that make you really look at every sunset with deep attention and relish its beauty, instead of glancing at it briefly on the way to doing something else, like rushing to get home from work? Well, each of us does actually have a terminal illness. It is called life. If I am born, that means someday I will die. 
but in the busy course of our daily lives, we usually don't have a chance to reflect on the fleeting nature of life. Visiting a cemetery, however, puts that truth right in front of us in a way that we can't ignore. It is the memento mori that reminds us of the truth of impermanence so that we can appreciate life more while clinging to it less. Visiting graves also reminds us of the interconnectedness of our lives. Each grave represents a precious, unique human life, someone's parent, child, spouse, sibling, friend, that is part of a whole web of relationships. I would not be here if not for my parents, my grandparents, and the other ancestors who came before me. I owe my existence to them. Seeing their graves prompts me to think of the infinite causes and conditions that intersected to create me and enable me to be here in this life. Indeed, my life has been influenced and supported not just by my family, but by countless people whom I have never met or encountered only briefly. We are all connected in some way in a great chain of existence that stretches infinitely across time and space. Finally, Ohaka Maidi is an opportunity to remember my loved ones, to honor their memories, and to express my gratitude for all they did for me. Although they are no longer here physically, they are a part of me because their existence and their actions have influenced me profoundly and continue to do so. My father, my brother, and my grandparents live on in me through my memories and by helping make me the person that I am. Gratitude is at the heart of our spiritual path as Sheen Buddhists. Visiting the graves of those to whom we are indebted is a concrete way of expressing our gratitude, and as such, it is a spiritual practice we should cultivate. These are some of the reasons that I see grave visiting as not something morbid or negative, but as life-affirming. By showing us the impermanent, and therefore precious, nature of our lives, it enables us to appreciate the here and now, and encourages us to live more fully in the time that we have. By reminding us of the mutual and interconnected nature of our existence, and the many ways in which we are connected to others, and by presenting us an opportunity to remember and honor those who came before us, it lets us express our gratitude to those who have enriched our lives through their love, their care, and their teaching. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. This podcast is copyrighted 2022 by the Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, all rights reserved.